Welcome in to Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the I Heard You app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. We have a lot to get to today, including recapping a great weekend of college football, some big NFL news to get to as well. So we'll get to all of that and more on this episode of Red Zone Radio. All right, let's start off with college football. There were a lot of big games over the weekend. I thought there was going to be a lot more upsets. The only upset that really happened was Oklahoma State in the final bedlam knocking off Oklahoma. Mike Gundy kind of deserved that. It felt like that was uh, kind of a storybook ending, didn't it, for Mike Gundy? Who knows when they'll play again? Who knows if they'll play again in Mike Gundy's career? But he got the final bedlam. And he not only knocked Oklahoma out of the playoff race, he knocked her out of the Big 12 race. And another big game that happened was Washington-USC. And I and I want to talk about those two games for a second. Because I as I watched those two games, I thought to myself, these two teams are not ready for the big moves that are taking place to each of them next season. Oklahoma, in my opinion, is not ready for the SEC, and USC is not ready for the Big Ten. USC's has fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Obviously, you never want to celebrate someone getting fired. It seemed like it was the right move, but at the same time, even though I think that was the right decision, it does not prove to me that their defense can be better or anybody else because it's not as if Lincoln Riley had a good defense before Alex Grinch got there and then he was too loyal to Alex Grinch. He has yet to put a good, serviceable, championship-caliber defense on the field. It doesn't mean your team has to be defensive-oriented, but you do have to have a defense that can get stops in pivotal moments of the game. The saying is defense travels. It's not sometimes your offense is going to have a bad day. And even in that last game, their offense didn't have a bad day. The plays they were whipping out, the plays Caleb Williams was pulling out, it was incredible. But they still didn't have enough to win the game ultimately because their defense could not get a stop when they needed it. And so I think about them going to the Big Ten, and I think about Oklahoma going to the SEC, and I think to myself, they are just not ready at the levels. Oklahoma... When Oklahoma and Texas, when it was announced they're going to the SEC, it's it's interesting how the narrative, in my opinion, and and not publicly, but just the way we think about it, in my opinion, at least at least the way I think about it, it's kind of flipped. So at first, when we heard that Oklahoma and Texas were going to the SEC, remember we thought Texas get it back on track, but they were still kind of a mess at the time. Oklahoma was the better team for eight years out of the last decade over Texas, but. Then Lincoln Riley left, and this program has kind of been, I don't want to say in shambles. They got the big win over Texas, but that Texas win in the Red River game was the biggest win and more than likely the only signature win that has happened since Lincoln Riley has left. So it feels like they are going to be somewhat struggling going to the SEC. Texas, on the other hand, kind of proved that they were SEC ready going into Alabama, getting the win. It's a, it completely changes the way you think about it. At least it does for me. Going back to the other move that happened, when we heard USC and UCLA, then eventually we heard Washington, Oregon as well, were going to the Big Ten. I think the big one was U, was USC. But now I can make an argument. And UCLA, no disrespect to UCLA, 
But I can make an argument that it feels, especially with Caleb Williams more than likely going to the NFL, and of course Michael Penix is and Bo Nix is as well, but their whole team are them having elite quarterback play is helping them certainly, but their whole team is not completely dependent on their quarterback being an all-star all the time. Washington's is a little bit, but not not to the level that USC's is. I can make an argument, even though they were the last teams to make the move, it feels like Oregon and Washington are Big Ten ready. It does not feel like USC is Big Ten ready, specifically due to the fact that Caleb Williams is not returning. And I understand that Michael Penix and Bo Nix are not going to be returning more than likely either, but their team is, is, is built more for the Big Ten. USC doesn't have defense. They don't have line of scrimmage. They have had Caleb Williams and some good receivers, and more than likely the receivers are going, Caleb Williams is going, they don't have a defensive coordinator for next year, not that I think Alex Grinch was the answer, but they are just not ready to make this move to the SEC, to the Big Ten, and I don't think Oklahoma's ready to make the move to the SEC, That, in my opinion. Okay, Alabama gets a big one. I predicted LSU was going to win. I knew that on Friday when I released that episode, I knew that I made the wrong decision. You shouldn't pick against Alabama. I thought LSU matched up well against them, and I thought they did, but their defense just could not get stops when they need to. Jalen Milrow is starting to play really good. Something that's interesting about Alabama, because now it's pretty much set in stone, unless something absolutely crazy happens, which I don't think it will. Georgia and Alabama are on a collision course to be in the SEC championship game. Everyone, this is what, this is where I think media, the media is way too quick to change their opinions off of one game, in my opinion. I, I think they're way too quick. So when Texas beat Alabama, everyone said, well, Alabama's out of it. And and I I agree that the, the when at the time I had said, that's a big win. And it's certainly going to hinder Alabama. But I did say if they went out, they'll be fine. And they still have to win out. Now, the problem is they still have to take on Georgia. And I think Georgia wins that game. But if they don't, Alabama's in. Alabama controls their own destiny. So something that's interesting to think about, though, is that the media, when Alabama lost, said their season's over. Everyone was saying Nick Stamen could contemplate retirement. And now here we are six games later. And they beat LSU, and everyone's talking about them being national championship favorites. Could it be that maybe they're not as bad as we thought, and they're not as good as they thought? They're not as good as we thought in the beginning, but then they're not as bad as we thought after they lost. Now they're about, they're they're one of the top five teams in college football talent-wise. They certainly can make a run for the little thing. They still have to beat Georgia. I don't anticipate them beating Georgia, but if they beat Georgia, they went out, they're in the playoff, and who knows what hap- what can happen in the playoff. So they certainly could win the title. But I just think it's going to take a lot for Alabama to do that. All right, let's shift to the NFL. So, Kyler Murray is going to be activated. I think it's good to get him out there. Obviously, Arizona's kind of a mess. Arizona's probably not going to make the playoffs. 99% likelihood that they're not going to make the playoffs unless something crazy happens. But nonetheless, I think it's good to get him out there. I think it's clear, and, and I said this at the beginning of the year, I would not move on from Kyler Murray for Caleb Williams. Not that I don't think Caleb Williams is great, but I think Kyler Murray has proved he can do in the NFL. Now, I anticipate, as do many people, that 
Caleb Williams will be able to do great things in the NFL too, but it's not as if Kyler Murray has just been serviceable. I mean, he took Arizona to the playoffs. He's extremely talented. He's had one serious injury. Now, if he starts getting injured a lot, obviously that's going to turn into a problem, but it's not like he's been injury-prone. He's had one serious injury. I think that's Patrick Mahomes has had a serious injury. Aaron Rodgers throughout his career had serious injuries. Everybody's going to have a serious injury at some point, more than likely. Kyler Murray had a serious injury. He's going to be back this Sunday. I cannot wait to watch it. I think the league's better when he plays. By the way, also, you cannot tell me undoubtedly that with Kyler Murray at this moment, and I don't anticipate anything changing anytime soon with the other three teams in the division, you cannot tell me that Arizona does not have the best quarterback in their own division moving forward to next year and so on. Kyler Murray, I think, is better than Brock Purdy. I think Kyler Murray is better than Geno Smith. And I, I no disrespect to Matthew Stafford, but he's younger. I think he's going to come off of this injury much better than a beat-up Matthew Stafford would. Obviously, the Rams just signed Carson Wentz, who I really like as well, because Matthew Stafford gets beat up all the time. I think they have the best quarterback in the division. I think, obviously, Aaron Rodgers left last year. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC, so they will be serviceable. With Kyler Murray, they just need to get some other pieces around him. I think it's the right decision to bring Kyler Murray back. All right. Let's talk also about some of the big NFL games. One of the other games that was really important, Cowboys and Eagles. The Cowboys lost. Something that doesn't quite sit right with me is the fact that the Cowboys... When you listen to them in the post game, they keep on talking as if it almost sounds like they won the game. They're like, you know, we did a lot of things well. There's nothing wrong with, I'm not t- saying for Dak or Micah Parsons or anybody to go to the reporters or go up to the podium and to just bash the team. That's not what I'm suggesting. But. It's almost too positive. Now, maybe there's positive with the media and behind closed doors. Like, hey, guys, we did this wrong. We did this wrong. We got to fix this. But it's just, in my opinion, you cannot lose a game and be that positive afterwards. If this was college football, right? And let's say it was, well, this is a perfect example. Missouri played Georgia over the weekend. Missouri's in a rebuilding state. Georgia's the defending two-time national champion. Defending two-time national champion. And I think Missouri should feel really good about that game. They're not going to get to Atlanta this year. Obviously, the SEC is is going to get deeper. But they get to... I think they should feel good about the game. They lost. First of all, they lost at the last second to LSU, who is a blue-chip program. And they lost at the last second to Georgia, who is a blue-chip program. And they did it at the... And they took Georgia in their own stadium to the brink. And I think you have to feel good about the game. I think Kansas State should feel good about taking Texas to the brink because they are clearly not at the level of Texas is right now and Missouri is not at the level that Georgia's at right now. But this is the NFL, and the Cowboys are supposed to be Super Bowl contenders, and this is a divisional rival. You should view yourself in the same light. Just like if Ohio State goes up to Ann Arbor this year and they play them really tough, but they lose, I don't think they should feel very good about that. Vice versa, if Michigan plays Ohio State very tough, but they lose, I don't think they should feel very good about it. 
This is the division rival. This is the NFL. This isn't even college football. And you're talking like it's a positive thing because you played well. I, I And people are like, well, look, Dak played great. We can't blame Dak. Here's what I'm going to say. I believe two things are true here. Yes, Dak played great, but at the same time, you're paying him a fortune. Remember when he sat out? You're paying him for moments like that moment that did not get... You're, you're paying him for those moments where he had the two-point conversion, but he stepped out of bounds. I understand it's like, well, it was one foot. He stepped out the last second. But you're paying him to put that ball in the end zone. And you're paying him for the moments where he gets the ball back and he drove him downfield. Give him credit. But he couldn't get in the end zone. He took a sack. I'm not, I'm not, it's not necessarily Dak's fault. And yes, he played good. But at the same time, if you're complaining about the players around him, remember that a big part of the reason why they can't get another great receiver other than CeeDee Lamb, why they can't get a great edge rusher, someone great in the back end, is because it's a salary cap league and Dak, you're paying Dak a fortune. And so when you pay uh, Patrick Mahomes a fortune and Tyreek Hill says, hey, I'm not making enough money, I'm out of here. Tyreek Hill, the fastest football player we've ever seen, was a huge part of them winning their first Super Bowl. And they said, all right, see ya. And then Patrick Mahomes comes back and wins a Super Bowl. You're like, okay, yeah, we can pay him that because it doesn't matter who he has around him. He can win games. He wins games against Tyreek Hill. He wins games He get, wins games with Tyreek Hill. He wins them without him. He wins them with elite receivers. He wins them without him. We can pay him that much. Dak is really good. I'm not saying to pay him nothing. But you're paying him for those moments to come through. Whether it's his fault or not. Or not. Whether he played good throughout the game or not. You're paying him for those moments. And he did not come through. And I don't dislike Dak. But people are like, well, we make excuses for Brock Purdy. I'll tell you exactly why. Brock Purdy is making, I I believe, and I will have to double check this, but I believe he is making the least amount out of any starting quarterback in the league. I'm not saying you should be making more, but I'm saying when you are making that money and you allow the team to, 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 you allow the front office and everyone to load up your roster with other talent, you still have to come through. I'm not saying you can lose games all the time. But it allows you a little bit of freedom to where you don't have to be that guy. Dak said, hey, pay me the money. I'll come through. And he did not come through. It's not so much that we make excuses for Brock Purdy and we we put on Dak. Dak put the pressure on himself by getting that contract. Now, I'm not saying he should have been paid. I pay him a lot of money. There's a lot of teams I love to have Dak. But you paid him to come through in that last moment, and he didn't. And maybe he will in the future. I, I have nothing against Dak. But when you're paying someone a fortune... Sometimes you cannot make excuses. You just have to get the job done. And it wasn't done. Now, the Cowboys are still a great team, and I think they could still be great moving forward. But I, I think that's really important. People say we, we hold Dak to a different standard. It's not that we hold Dak to a different standard. But when you're getting paid a fortune, and you sat out for that contract, you have got to come through. It's not so much about it even being held against you. But... This is a salary cap league, and if you're not going to allow them to load up the roster, you have to prove to them, hey, I don't need the roster to get it done. Patrick Mahomes proves it week in and week out. Joe Burrow proves it. Lamar Jackson proves it. 
Dak Prescott has not proved it yet. All right. Final game of the day that we'll recap is the Jets and Chargers. Jets got blown out. Aaron Rodgers talking about coming back in a few weeks. In that, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers in the future of the Jets. So Zach Wilson struggled, no denying it, he struggled. And I think something that is interesting about the Jets is, and, and I said this the day after Aaron Rodgers got hurt, they are a good, their defense is so good, and they have players that if they can just keep their record at like 500, which they are right now, if Aaron Rodgers does somehow come back, they will be viable for a run. The thing is, I don't know how long you can ask that defense to keep playing that level that they're playing when they don't see the results coming from the other side. So that's going to be the test. Not so much are they good enough, but they're good enough. Can they just squeak by with enough wins and to keep hoping that defense so that Aaron Rodgers actually does come back? That would be a heck of a story. That would be really interesting to see. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Red Zone Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Red Zone Radio.